morning the sun was shining I was laying in bed Wondering if she'd change it all If her hair was still red Her folks, they said our lives together Sure was gonna be rough They never did like mama's homemade dress Papa's bankbook wasn't big enough And I was standing on the side of the road Rain falling on my shoes Heading out for the east coast Lord knows I paid some dues Getting through Tangled up in blue Uh, hello, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 164 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. And our episode today is catching up with recent OFAC enforcement actions. Hello, everyone. Thanks uh, for, sh- for listening. Um, glad to be here. Wanted to catch up with you on some of uh, OFAC's enforcement actions, which uh, as uh, we've you know made our way through the worst times of the pandemic uh, when we were shut down, uh, OFAC was slowed down on some of its enforcement actions, and in the last few months, they've uh, been steady and sure and coming out with a number of cases. So let's go through some of those cases uh, today and catch you up on what's going on in the uh, OFAC enforcement world. Uh, before we get started, how about a uh, an ad from our sponsor, Steel Compliance Solutions. Steel Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steel's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steel partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steel's end-to-end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steel's ethics and compliance automated platform offers critical functions designed to promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management, investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations, including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, antitrust, sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements, Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding in how your compliance program applies to -to day-to-day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steel's Compliance Solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000. Okay, let's go back to the OFAC world, catch up with the OFAC. Um, They're a pretty steady enforcement agency, and they've been been moving uh, with some dispatch, and we have a number of cases to go uh, through. And OFAC is uh, definitely resuming its aggressive enforcement of uh, economic sanctions. Let's go from the most recent uh, back, and we'll start first with Keysight Technologies which uh, set its telecom company, 
Um, it uh, settled with OFAC for $473,157 for violations of uh, the Iran sanctions program. Now, <clears throat> key site is uh, Santa Rosa, California company. And uh, uh, this is a pretty familiar fact pattern because we saw it a lot last year as well. And OFAC has commented on it, uh, where basically Keysight acquired a foreign company, uh, made it a subsidiary, and the foreign company was then subject to uh, the Iran sanctions program. And the foreign company, uh, while it was supposed to discontinue uh, and cease operations to sell to Iran, they continued uh, to do it. So this is, uh, and the former subsi the subsidiary is uh, a neat. Finland, we'll call it a neat. Uh, and what they did uh, in this case was they started selling wireless equipment, uh, telecom equipment that's used in wireless systems uh, to Iran. Um, so Keysight was held liable for a neat's post-acquisition sales to Iran, despite Keysight's uh, specific instructions and efforts to ensure a neat. Uh, discontinued sales to Iran after Keysight's uh, closing of the acquisition. To disguise its continuing sales to Iran, Anit sought to hide such sales from detection by Keysight. So Anit designed and sold test and measurement instruments along with software products to the wireless industry. In August 2015, Keylight acquired Anit. Interestingly, Keylight's uh, Pre-acquisition due diligence and risk assessments identified that Anit conducted business with certain sanctioned countries, including Iran. Anit, as part of the acquisition, committed to cease all existing and future business with sanctioned countries, including Iran. So one month later, Keysight reiterated to Anit that sales to certain sanctioned countries, including Iran, must cease. Anit's vice president informed its regional director for the Middle East of Keysight the key lights uh, directive to cease all such orders but both in emails both the vice president and the regional director expressed reluctance to comply with key lights directive the regional director along with two colleagues and with the knowledge of the vice president agreed amongst themselves to proceed with the business in iran the three Anit employees took measures to hide the Iran transactions. In their correspondence and paperwork, they omitted any reference to Iran or any city or location in Iran. And in one instance, an Anit uh, employee referred to Iran in an email to the regional director, and the regional director changed the reference to United Arab Emirates in the email. Once Keysight discovered the ongoing violations, Keysight conducted an extensive internal investigation. Uh, to determine the extent of the violations, terminated the employees involved, and then voluntarily disclosed the violations to OFAC and the SEC since it's a publicly traded company. Now, as recounted in the OFAC announcement, after the acquisition from January to June 2016, Anit completed six orders for a total of approximately $331,000 of goods that incorporated now these uh, that incorporated 10% or more of the US export controlled content exported from the US that were destined for end users in Iran. So obviously there was uh, there was a question as to whether or not these goods were subject to uh, OFAC and the uh, and the requirement 
And the limitation is, and the definition is, if 10% of more of the U.S. export-controlled content came from the U.S., it was exported from the U.S., uh, then you're subject to the sanctions. Now, during this period, and this is the kind of interesting little twist, uh, OFAC had a general license H in sub, in, during the subject period 2016. This is during the time uh, that we had the JCPOA, which authorized direct sales to Iran through foreign-owned or controlled entities. The way that they got in trouble here, Anik got in trouble, is General License H did not authorize re-exportation of such goods from a third country, which is what happened in this case. Now, in crediting its remediation efforts, OFAC cited the fact that Keylight Keysight, uh, I'm sorry, Keylight enhanced its sanctions compliance program by integrating detailed trade compliance policies, procedures, and resources into its compliance program, conducting annual trade compliance training for sales representatives and their supervisors, as well as for NEET's legal management, logistics, sales, and customer service personnel, and implementing enhanced screening of each NEET transaction for trade compliance. So that's the uh, that's an interesting case, the Keysight Technologies, uh, and uh, it's something that uh, we should definitely uh, take some lessons learned from that in terms of the ten percent rule, uh, and and how exactly this worked. Now let's go to the next case, which was Comtech Telecommunications, which settled OFAC violations of the Sudan sanctions program, uh, which was applicable at the time. It's not now. And that was for $894,111. Comtech uh, Telecommunications and Comtech uh, Data Corp, uh, EF Data Corp, it's their uh, subsidiary, agreed to make the payment for violations of Sudan, the Sudan sanctions program. Comtech and EF Data sell advanced communication systems, software, and services. The violations arose when these companies indirectly exported uh, satellite equipment with warranties and facilitated services and training to a Sudanese government-owned entity that was prohibited under OFAC's Sudan sanctions program. Just a reminder, the Sudan sanctions program was eliminated in October 2017. The activities at issue in this enforcement action occurred while the Sudan sanctions program was in effect. Starting in June 2014 and continuing for over a year until October 2015, Comtech and EF Data illegally exported satellite equipment under warranty, provided ongoing telephone support, and facilitated training with respect to the equipment to the Sudanese Civil Aviation Authority. EF Data and its subsidiary located in Montreal, Canada, prepared a price quote for satellite equipment under warranty, telephone support and training for a Canadian satellite communications equipment manufacturer. The sales agreement listed the ultimate destination of the equipment as Sudan. EF Data's sales agreement also included telephone support and technical training services in connection with the equipment. Before shipping the equipment to the Canadian company, EF Data's credit manager alerted other senior EFD data managers that the proposed transaction raised export issues because the end user was in Sudan. EF Data's director of logistics learned that the ultimate consignee was the SCAA, the Aviation Authority. EF Data screening software generated an alert to EF Data about the OFAC export restrictions for Sudan. 
to address this issue and to resolve this red flag if data's logistics manager attempted to shift compliance responsibilities to the Canadian equipment company. So what they were trying to do was say, you go ahead, you do this because we can't do it. It would violate uh, OFAC. Well, the truth is that if they're acting as the agent for EF data, it was nonetheless a violation. Despite all these warnings and uh, circumstances, EF data ultimately shipped the satellite equipment to the Canadian company in two shipments, knowing that the Canadian company then integrated the equipment into a satellite-enabled network of Earth-based telecommunications stations. The Canadian company shipped the network, uh, shipped the network to uh, Sudan at the uh, Khartoum airport for use at 14 locations in Sudan. So from also uh, the shipments themselves violated the, uh, the OFAC uh, sanctions, but also we had uh, training and uh, other services that also violated the uh, sanctions program. So from September 29th, 2014 to October 2nd, 2014, EF Data subsidiary trained seven SCAA employees on the equipment's use in Montreal, Canada. Comtac then voluntarily disclosed the violations to OFAC in October 2014. Comtac's senior vice president and EF Data's president sent an email to EF Data's logistics director, the person who had originally shifted the responsibility for compliance to the Canadian manufacturer. And they instructed the logistics director to secure an OFAC license to provide the warranty services and the support. The next month, uh, November 2014, EF Data applied for an OFAC license to provide the SCCA, SCAA with services for the setup, support, operation, uh, and related services. After the application was denied, EF Data refiled its application in February 2015. While the application was pending, EF Data's subsidiary continued to provide telephone support until October 2015. Separately, in March 2015, EF Data's former director of logistics approved a warranty request to loan and export from the United States four hardware units to the Canadian company to fix a problem SCAA was experiencing with its hardware. OFAC ultimately denied EF Data's license application to provide such warranty services on March 13, 2016. During the OFAC investigation, Comtac made several significant personnel changes, including adding a vice president tasked with trade compliance at EF Data's Arizona facility, committing to hire an additional trade compliance position to support that vice president, and committing to create a new position of senior trade compliance officer and or chief trade compliance officer at Comtac's New York headquarters. Comtech and EF Data received credit for voluntary disclosure of the violations, but they were penalized for ignoring the screening red flag and approving warranty services while an application for an OFAC license was pending. OFAC also noted that EF Data provided shifting explanations in response to OFAC subpoenas and a request for information, and its subpoena response included an internal email that was manipulated by EF Data's former director of logistics to omit certain relevant language. That required OFAC to expend significant additional time and resources to complete its investigation. 
quite a case when you look at it in terms of the behavior of the director of logistics and uh, the misconduct going all the way to manipulating uh, the content of an email. Okay, one more uh, topic uh, to talk about, and that is uh, Deutsche Bank. Deutsche Bank, the famous Deutsche Bank, which has been in the news, uh, they settled two OFAC cases totaling $583,000 for violations of the Ukraine-Russia sanctions. Well, Deutsche Bank obviously continues to have its problems, legal, compliance, and reputational, and uh, now you can add to the list OFAC sanctions compliance. They settled these two uh, matters, one involving the processing of a large transaction connected to IPP oil products in Cyprus, a specially designated national, and another for 61 transactions involving uh, Krasnodar Regional Investment Bank, as known as Cray Investment Bank, another specially designated national under the Ukraine-Russia sanctions programs. So let's talk first about IPP oil products and the violation. Deutsche Bank agreed to pay $157,500 for its uh, conduct of a $28 million single transaction involving IPP oil products as part of a series of related transactions. While the payment instructions did not specifically identify IPP oil, the payment was related to a series of purchases of fuel oil that involved IPP oil. Before the transaction occurred, U.S. counsel for IPP oil represented to Deutsche Bank that IPP oil's interest in the transaction no longer existed. Notwithstanding this representation, this shows you about the dangers of just relying upon this counsel's representation. OFAC cited Deutsche Bank for its failure to conduct due diligence to corroborate the U.S. counsel's representation concerning IPP oil's lack of interest in the transaction. OFAC subsequently determined that IPP oil, the prohibited SDN, nonetheless had an interest in the transaction, and Deutsche Bank incorrectly relied on verbal assurances from U.S. counsel concerning IPP oil status under OFAC sanctions and its participation in the transaction. In reaching this settlement, OFAC reiterated that financial institutions, and I think this applies to every company, not just financial institutions, should take a risk-based approach to sanctions compliance given the size of this transaction and the fact that Deutsche Bank knew that prior transactions involved an SDN, IPP oil, OFAC expected Deutsche Bank to corroborate independently the representations it had received concerning IPP oil sanctions status. A good reminder of a case in terms of what due diligence requires and uh, doing more to corroborate uh, the requirement under the uh, sanctions compliance program guidance is to conduct independent research. And in this case, uh, it's reiterated here with regard to Deutsche Bank conduct independent research, and corroborate uh, the information that was learned from the attorney. Separately, uh, the Cray Invest Bank violations, Deutsche Bank agreed to pay $425,600 for processing 61 payments to Cray Investment Bank, an SDN under the Ukraine-Russia sanctions program. Between December 22nd and December 30th, 2015, Deutsche Bank processed these 61 transactions totaling $276,742.90, which were destined for Cray Investment Bank. 
Despite the fact that each payment included the applicable SWIFT business identifier code, so it was clear it was going to Cray Invest Bank, Deutsche Bank's screening system failed to identify the transactions because it failed to include Cray Invest Bank's SWIFT uh, BIC, business identifier code, when it added the bank's information to its sanctions interdiction filter. In addition, at the time of the transactions, Deutsche Bank's filter was calibrated to flag only those transactions with an exact SDN match. Deutsche Bank did not voluntarily disclose either of these enforcement matters. But here we had a screening problem, we had sloppy screening calibration, and the fact that they required an exact match. And I've talked at, at length about Apple, uh, Amazon, other cases where there were errors, uh, and obviously the, the uh, OFAC really didn't care about that, uh, that it was an error, they still held the companies liable. Going back to Deutsche Bank, to remediate its compliance program, Deutsche Bank agreed to maintain robust compliance procedures, including regular risk assessments, internal controls tailored to its risk assessment and profile, and OFAC sanctions training. Deutsche Bank uh, stated that since 2015, the bank has tripled the size of its global and financial crime team, which now totals 1,500 employees, and they spent nearly $1 billion on enhancing its training, control, and compliance processes. Well, let's see how well they perform in the future. Anyways, those are the, uh, that's a quick update on some interesting OFAC cases. Always good lessons learned in each of these cases. Um, and uh, it's good reminders in terms of uh, screening protocols, independent research, uh, due diligence, uh, and making sure that you document everything, but also taking a good look at what your risks are with each of these uh, types of transactions that may fall into it. And of course, we had the, the first case where, just like many other enforcement actions, if you acquire a foreign company that uh, was not subject to OFAC and they are engaged in transactions with Iran or other sanctioned countries, you got to make sure you put a stop to it once you uh, close with that acquisition. Anyway, so uh, thanks again. Uh, stay in touch, stay healthy, uh, stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com. job in the great north woods working as a cook for a spell but i never did like it all that much and one day the axe just fell so i drifted down to new orleans so i lucky with a be employed working for a while on a fishing boat right outside of delacroix but all the while i was alone the past was close behind i seen a lot of women but she never escaped my mind and i just grew
just kept looking at the side of her face in the spotlight so clear. Later on, when the crowd thinned out, I was just about to do the same. She was standing there in the back of my chair. I said, Timmy, don't I know your name? I muttered something underneath my breath. She studied the lines of my face. I must admit, felt a little uneasy when she bent down to tie the laces of my shoes. Trying to love in blue. I thought you'd never say hello, she said You look like a silent type And she opened up a book of poems And handed it to me Written by an Italian poet from the 13th century And every one of them words rang true And glowed like burning coal Pouring off of every page Like it was written in my soul For me to you. In the air And he started into dealing with slaves And something inside of him died She had to sell everything she owned And froze up inside And when it finally the bottom fell out I became withdrawn The only thing I knew how to do Was to keep on keeping on Like a bird that flew I don't know what they do with their lives But me, I'm still alive 